I want to let you know uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 8. You can go ahead and turn there. Uh, the next two weeks are going to be a little different uh, because I'm going to be gone this week. Cody Maureen is going to be preaching next Sunday. And I know many of you have heard Cody a lot of times. Uh, and he always does a great job. That's not the main attraction. Uh, in two weeks, uh, Mr. Shane Stover will be preaching. Uh, and some of you went, what? And that's fair. That's a fair assessment. Uh, Shane will be preaching uh, for me in two weeks. And so I'm looking forward to, and I hope you will as well as they preach. Um, so let's jump in. Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 40. We've got kind of two stories intertwined together today. So let's look at it. Starting in verse 40. It says, Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him. He's just returned remember, from uh, the healing the demoniac across the sea. So Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, and they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went to his house, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? And when all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowd surrounds you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. For I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house, that's Jairus, came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and the mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once, and he directed that something should be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Let me pray. God, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for so many things that it teaches us about you and about Jesus, and we see your power, we see your authority. God, but I pray that today we would see your compassion. God, I pray that we would see how compassionate you are for us, how compassionate you were for Jairus and his daughter, for this woman, for, for so many people. God, you are a compassionate God. You are not fed up with us. You are not tired of us, God, but you are compassionate towards us. God, and so we thank you for that this morning, God. We don't deserve that. 
God, but you have shown your love and your compassion towards us in Jesus. And so we, we pray this morning as we, as we study this text, God, that we would see that, God, and it would move us to be compassionate people for others, God. And so we love you. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's look at it. Uh, verse 40. It says, Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all awaiting him. Remember, Jesus had, had been across the Sea of Galilee. He's healed the, the demoniac, the man consumed with many different demons. And I, I think he went over there. I mean, he went over there because he's God and he knows everything. But I think he went a little bit to get away from the crowds. But remember, he's there, he heals, and he immediately leaves to come back to Israel. And what happens as he comes back? Uh, there's a crowd of people. There's always needs. People want to be around Jesus. Now, if you're a mom and you've got little kids that are always around you, or you're a teacher, or you're some, a boss, or you're something where everyone always needs your attention, I think you can feel a little bit of what Jesus maybe felt in his humanity here. Like, Leave me alone. Just give me a break. Let me have a, have a rest. Except that's not Jesus' attitude at all. Jesus doesn't get impatient with the crowd. Jesus doesn't send them away. Jesus doesn't uh, do anything. No, he is open. He is available. If this was me, like, I'm finding the back room somewhere. I'm, I'm creating a distraction over here with, like, you know, special Jesus powers, and I'm getting away, right? I, I'm trying to, to rest, to, to get away from the crowd. But I want us to notice Jesus' compassion, he sees the crowd, and Scripture says he looks out, and he sees them as sheep without a shepherd. Right? He looks out on them, and he has compassion for them because they all have issues. And on this day, verse 41, it says, There came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter about 12 years of age, and she was dying. So in the midst of this crowd, and it's probably Capernaum, Jairus shows up. And Jairus is this, um, this important figure in their town, right? He's, he's probably got some means about him. He's, he's got influence. He's a ruler in the synagogue, right? He's, he's a central figure in their town. But he's not kind of distant this day because he's got a major problem. He's not in his synagogue being all, you know, big and mighty. No, he has a massive issue. He's desperate on this day. His, his power, his position, his money can't solve his one problem. His one problem is that his only daughter, about 12 years of age, is dying, right? It's a sense of like imminent. She's dying any minute. And so he comes, and what does he do? Just like the, the demoniac, just like so many people have done, what does he do? He falls at Jesus' feet, right? He's desperate. He's, he's showing his dependence, his submission. And this is striking for such an important man like Jairus in their town to be on his feet, I mean, to be at Jesus' feet. You don't bow down to anybody if you're a Jewish leader, right? You only bow down to God. And so for him to come and fall down at Jesus' feet shows, one, I think that he believes that Jesus can do something, but two, that he is just desperate, right? Anybody ever been desperate for their kid who's sick, right? Just any sort of healing, anything I can do, I'll do so that my kid is better. And I think this Jairus feels this this day. 
He needs a problem fixed. And his daughter needs a miracle. Now, Jairus is not unaware of what's going on with Jesus. He's heard. And we've already talked about a story of Jesus raising uh, the widow's son from the dead. Right? We've already talked about Jesus healing people and casting out demons. And Jairus has heard this stuff. And I don't know where Jairus is at. I don't know if he's like uh, all the way in, like Jesus is the Christ, or if he's with most of the other religious leaders thinking, ah, this guy's about his own power. But he's heard that Jesus can do this. And in his desperation, he goes, maybe Jesus could do something. Maybe Jesus can heal her. He's got a, a little tiny mustard seed of faith. It's not a lot, but he's got something. And so he goes, and he begs Jesus for mercy. Come to my house. Heal my daughter. In verse 42, it says, as Jesus went. It means as he, not just as he like, ignored Jairus. No, he's going to the house. It says what? As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. Jesus sees Jairus, and he has this compassion, right? He has compassion. He goes, I'm going to go do something about your daughter. But what immediately happens? The crowd gets in the way, right? And we're going to see this. Jesus can barely move. There's so many needs. There's so many people. There's so much difficulty in getting from where he is to Jairus' house, just logistically, but also because Jesus has compassion. He's, he's talking and he's interacting. I want you to think about Jairus, right? How does he feel in this moment? He, he's desperate and he sees Jesus start to have compassion, but then he also sees the crowd and he knows this thing is this is not good. This is not good with my daughter. And Luke takes a pause. Look at verse 43. It says, There was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately her discharge of blood ceased. This woman in the crowd uh, is introduced in the story. And she's got a number of strikes against her in life. One, she's a woman. Uh, that's no offense to you women today, but in this day, that's a big deal, right? She's lesser. She's not as important in this day. Number two, she has a long-time illness. It says 12 years. Notice, same length as the little girl's age. She's had this major problem for a long time and strike number three is that it's a discharge of blood. And what that meant in Jewish society was that she was an outsider in every sense of the word. She's a woman, she's got this problem, and it's making her ceremonially unclean all the time. She can never interact in the synagogue. She can never go out in public. She is secluded and isolated. She is an outsider in, in just all form of the word. Now it's interesting to notice how long has this been going on? 12 years. How old is the little girl? About 12 years. So someday, 12 years before this, both of these things started to happen. There was great joy. A, a family gave birth to a little girl, an only girl, right? And this woman's life fell down tragically, right? Everything shattered because she had this problem that she could not it says that she had spent all of her living. She had tried everything, everything she could muster up to do. Any, any 
semblance of hope, any money she could pay or which doctor she could see, I'm sure. what She's desperate. You see it? Very similar to Jairus. And she's tried everything. And what's the result of it? Nothing has worked. I think in this moment, in, in her life, 12 years into this debilitating thing that's kept you on the outside, like she has given up. She's almost given up to say, I'm just, this is just my, li- my life. There's nothing else I have. Except for one little tiny mustard seed of faith that she has, right? Look at verse 44. She, she's heard about Jesus' power. She's heard about these miracles that Jesus has done. And maybe he hasn't healed this specific thing yet, but she's heard he's done these other things. And so she... I don't know if she was in the crowd or she heard the crowd or what, but she breaks all social norms and she comes right in the middle of that group of people, right? Because she is desperate, just like Jairus. And she's desperate enough to go right in the middle of the crowd and try to get his attention. And she did, kind of, right? I don't know if she couldn't get close enough. I don't know if it wasn't appropriate for her to talk. I don't know. But at some point, she saw her opportunity. And what, is, what did she do? What does it say? She got close enough to touch. And so what did she do? Just in faith, she just reached out. And the word says touch, but it really means cling. So she, she didn't just like, like I just got to touch his robe and that'll heal me. No, she's clinging on for life. She's desperate. She's grabbing, trying to. So I think for a second, she just grabs onto his garment. And what does it say? Verse 44. Immediately her discharge of blood ceased. There was no waiting period. There's no seven-day trial. There's no follow-up doctor's appointment. There's no antibiotic that we never finish. Just, I mean, you know what I mean, right? You get an antibiotic, they tell you to finish it. No one does. Anyway, there's none of that this day. She's not waiting to see the next day if like this actually took effect. She knows immediately it's fixed. Can you imagine her her devastation for 12 years and all of a sudden she's found something that fixes it, that heals this, this brokenness, this this thing that's kept her separated from everyone and in this moment she's healed. It's amazing. I can't imagine what she felt at this moment. And Luke turns the conversation. Look what he says. Verse 45. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? Right? Who was it that touched me? And when all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, no, someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. Right? Jesus recognizes someone touched me on purpose. Someone grabbed me, right? And, and Peter's like, dude, everybody touched you. We all touching each other. We're just in this crowd trying to get to gyre. We're all touching each other. No one touched you. Everybody touched you. I don't know. And Jesus goes, no, no, no. Somebody touched me. Peter doesn't know what Jesus knows, that someone has reached out and touched him in faith and has been healed. Now, I thought about this. Why doesn't Jesus just let it go? Like, what does it matter that he draws attention to this woman? She's healed. There's nothing else that needs to happen. She's better. All's good. 
Why does Jesus stop everything and make a big deal about people touching him, right? Why? Why doesn't Jesus just let her go and live her life? Well, one, I think Jesus wanted to make her healing known publicly, right? She's been an outsider. She's been rejected from everybody. She's been broken for so long. I think Jesus wanted to draw attention publicly so everybody knew in this moment she has been healed, right? So he calls her out. He's going he's gonna to force her out of the crowd, and he's going to reveal her identity. Everybody knew of her issue. Everybody knew of her distance. And Jesus has enough compassion for her to go, come here, come here. I want everybody to know. I want everybody to see how, what, what I have done and how you are healed. And so everybody denies it. Everybody's like, I didn't touch him. That like, sounds like my kids. Verse 47. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she been, had been immediately healed. She couldn't hide from this, and so she comes forward in great joy to say, listen, it was me. I touched you, and I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry, right? I've been healed, and I reached out, and everything's good. Jesus draws this story out of her so that she's proclaimed it publicly so that everybody knows what great miracle has just happened. And he looks at her in verse 48, and he says, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. He calls her daughter. This is the only time Jesus uses this word, and it's a very affectionate, uh, tender word for a family member, duh. That's not a great description. Um, he calls her daughter. He says, you're a part of the family of God. Just like he said previously, who are my mother and my brothers? Those who hear the word and obey it. He's saying, you're one of my daughters now. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has, and made you well means, it's really the word we use for saved later. For saved. He says, daughter, your faith has saved you. Right? What a beautiful picture for her always being on the outside, always being rejected to all of a sudden, no, you're one of mine. You're, you're a daughter and your faith has saved you. What an incredible moment right in the middle of this stupid crowd. I hate crowds. <laughs> And right in the middle of this, this woman has been healed and restored and been saved. Like, what great joy. Remember, she's, she's fallen for 12 years, but now she's restored. What a great picture. Except there's one problem. We forgot we're in the middle of another story. See, my spouse tells stories that are within stories, within stories, and you eventually get back. That's where we're at right now, all right? The problem is, Jesus has taken time to have this conversation with this woman. What has happened in the middle of that? Jairus is standing over here, and I don't know how he felt watching this happen, but, but he's thinking, this is great for you, but what about my daughter? This is holding us up. What about my daughter? Look at it, verse 49. While he was still speaking, Someone from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. 
as they're in the midst of this crowd and all of the craziness and all of the joy of this moment, Jairus gets the worst news that he could ever get. That his daughter is dead. He felt like, I think, for a moment in the middle of that crowd, okay, maybe I got a chance. Jesus is coming to the house. Maybe we can get this thing turned over. Maybe she can be healed. But right in the middle of this moment, I can't imagine the grief that she, that the Jairus is feeling and, and the joy that she is feeling, right? What a, what a drastic difference of emotion right here. She's so happy to be healed, and Jairus is so devastated because 12 years ago, this girl was born. And the messenger says, don't, don't worry about Jesus. It's over. We just got to move on. She's dead. You need to come home. But Jesus, in this moment, does not give up on us. All right? If you don't hear anything else today, maybe hear that. He's not given up on you, no matter where you failed, no matter where you, what, what, what drastic circumstance you think is beyond his ability. He has not given up, and he doesn't give up in this moment. And he speaks, and he says, look at verse 50. Jesus hears this news that the girl is dead. And he says, do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. Now listen, if you get the news today that a family member passed, I'm just telling you, don't take Jesus' example and say this, all right? All right? This is not appropriate for you or I to say in the midst of this kind of situation. But for Jesus, the ruler over all things, the one who can fix this, it is. And he gives, her, gives Jairus this hope. He says, do not fear, only believe. And I think he's pointing to that little bit of mustard seed faith that Jairus had to come and lay at his feet. And he's saying, keep believing. Don't give up. She will be made well. And so they go, verse 51. When he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and the mother of the child. They finally get to Jairus' house, and I'm sure at this point with, with death, there has been another crowd that's, that's joined in to the other crowd that Jesus is bringing, and there's all these people, and they're hearing the news, little girl is dead. And there's mourning, and there's weeping, and there's immense emotion. And Jesus shows up, and he, he clears out the house, and him and his three closest disciples go in, and again, Jesus says things that only he can say. Look at it, verse 52. All were weeping and mourning for her, but he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. Do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And only Jesus can say this, right? Don't say this. Don't walk it. That's so insensitive, right? But Jesus in this moment says what, what sounds insensitive at first trying to give them hope. And they're, no, she's dead, Jesus. You don't get it. She's dead. She's dead. And it says they laughed at him. Verse 53. They laughed at him. Who? Who's they? Peter, James, John, the mother, the father. Those are the only people there. They laughed at him. That is not faith. That is doubt. 
That is skepticism. That is really, to be honest, rejection of belief, right? And yet, what does Jesus do anyway? He heals. You see, Jairus started with this little mustard seed of faith, and he probably grew a little bit as Jesus is coming, but then it shattered when he hears the news, and he gets here, and he's in total rejection and disbelief, and he has no faith left to give, right? And what is Jesus going to do anyway? He's going to heal. And so don't let anybody tell you that you don't have enough faith to be healed. I don't even know what that means. Because right at this moment, this man doesn't have enough faith for his daughter to be healed. Right? He's laughing at Jesus as, as, as he says that she's going to live. There's no exact formula. The wind blows wherever it wishes. Do you hear me? Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, they do what they want. They make the rules, not us. And so be careful if someone says, this is the formula for how you get healing, how you receive this kind of thing. It just doesn't work like that. The wind blows wherever it wishes. And the wind this day blew into Jairus' house. And he looks at her in verse 54. He takes her by the hand and he called, saying, Child, arise. And if this thing doesn't work out, Jesus looks very silly. We should be laughing at him. We should be rejecting him. We should be calling him a fool. But it doesn't. He takes her by the hand, tells her to get up. And just like the wind that obeyed, just like the demoniac that obeyed, just like the mother and brothers that obeyed, this little girl, 12 years old, dead on her bed, obeys the word of God. And she gets up. Not because of Jairus' faith, but because Jesus is there. Because Jesus restores her back to life. It says in verse 55 that her spirit returned and she got up and they got her something to eat. She doesn't get up as a zombie. She, she gets up as a living, breathing 12-year-old girl who's hungry because she hasn't eaten in a while. She's fully healed. There's no seven-day waiting period. There's no antibiotics that we're never going to finish, right? She is alive. Needless to say, verse 56, her parents were amazed. The most unnecessary statement to put in Scripture ever. But her parents are amazed. They've been on a roller coaster of seeing her fall into her deathbed, and then maybe there's hope, and then there's not hope, and now she's alive. They have been through the ringer this day. And into this, Jesus speaks again, and what does he say? Verse 56. But he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Did you just read this sometime and go, what? Anybody? Okay, right. I need a little sympathy this morning. What? How? You got a crowd that's gathered for Jesus. You got a crowd that's gathered because this little girl's dead. And you've cleared the house to go in. And then you just expect me to see this little girl come out and act like nothing happened. Right? Like, what? what is Jesus saying? There is no way you keep this kind of news quiet. Like, you could, there's no telling them, hey, you really shouldn't tell people about this. It's kind of, we need to keep it on the down low. What? This is the kind of news that spreads very quickly. Right? 
there's a whole crowd outside that's going to see her walk out here in a minute. There's a whole crowd that's going to go, we know she was dead, now she's alive. And I love Luke pointing out over and over the witnesses that saw these things happen. This was not done in a corner. This was not done like in the privacy of some back place. No, 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 no. This miracle was very public in Capernaum that day. Everyone who was there in the crowd knew she is dead, now she's alive. And they knew the only person in there was Jesus. Right? There are an immense amount of witnesses to the truth of this story. So why? Why would Jesus tell her, tell the parents, do not tell? If you remember last week, what did he tell the demoniac? What did he tell the man who had healed all the diseases? What did he tell him? Go and tell everyone. And then this week, don't tell anybody. What is that? What is the difference? I don't have a great answer this morning. I'm just asking the question. One, in the Gentile place, he wants the word to spread because there's no political danger. For him right here in Capernaum, to be raising people from the dead, to be doing miracles, to, to be doing all these things, Jesus knows there's risk to his life. He, he wants the message a little bit stifled so he can continue his ministry. Why? Because he came ultimately not to raise 12-year-old girls back to life. He came ultimately not to heal demon-possessed people. He came ultimately not, not to do those miracles. And hear me. Those are important. But what did Jesus come to do? He came to die on the cross. I think Jesus knows his purpose. And he knows that he is headed to the cross. This begins in chapter 9, Jesus' journey to Jerusalem. We've been all up in the north, and we're about to start heading down south to Jerusalem, to his ultimate conflict, to his ultimate death on the cross. And I think Jesus also knew, whatever I tell you to do right now, you're not going to do. <laughs> I can tell you don't say anything, but I know this is the kind of word that gets out. I want us to see today in this passage, Jesus' compassion, right? I want us to see Jesus' compassion. He came for everyone. We've, we've called this series through the book of Luke, Good News for Everyone. It's good news for the rich, and it's good news for the poor. It's good news for men, and it's good news for women. It's good news for the broken, and it's good news for the put together. It's good news for the insider, and it's good news for the outsider. Jesus shows that over and over and over again, that he is come for everyone. He's not just here for the put together, those that got their life kind of cleaned up. No, he cares about the broken, this woman who's on the outside, this man who's experienced tragedy over and over and over again. And I think so many of us maybe feel that way, that we're on the outside, that we've done too much wrong, we've done too many bad things. And in a sense, that's true. But I hope you see today that Jesus has compassion on those who have, who, who have messed up too much, who've, who've crossed the line one too many times. You know who cares about you? Jesus. He still does, no matter what. And so today, to the oppressed and the burdened, he offers rest. To the troubled, he offers peace. 
To those enslaved by sin, he offers freedom. To those who are dying, he offers true life through the cross and the resurrection. And so I hope today as we, as we study these stories, you see wherever you're at, Jesus cares for you. He has compassion for you. And he wants an eternal relationship with you. Let me pray. God, I thank you for these stories and I thank you for the good news um, that you came to rescue us. You came to heal us, not just temporarily, but eternally. And you're going to accomplish that through the cross. You're going to accomplish that through the resurrection. God, and you're going to set us free from demons. You're going to release us from the, the ultimate pain of death. And you're going to do so many things on the cross that, that, that these are just a picture of. God, I thank you that you are compassionate towards us. That no matter where we're at, no matter how broken or how, how, how short we've fallen of you, God, you still love us. And thank you for your mercy, God. Thank you that you're patient with us. Thank you that you're kind to us, even if we don't deserve it, God. Thank you for your word this morning. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen.